first of all that everything starts with God. He is the creator, the provider, the initiator. As it says in verse 1, God has promised them this land that they're crossing the Jordan to possess. It's been a long time coming, but God promised it. We read in verses 10 to 12, when the Lord brings you into the land, he swore to your forefathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob to give to you. The first promise to Abraham was way back in Genesis 15. This was confirmed to his son Isaac in Genesis 26, and then to his son Jacob in Genesis 28, when he says, I will give you this land on which you are lying. God had made a covenant way back with Abraham, and he's about to fulfill that promise. So God had promised them this land, but it wasn't just any old land. Verse 3, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. It was even better than they could have imagined. God had prepared it ready for them. So what does that mean for us today? Well, God is faithful. We can trust the promises he makes in the Bible. He had a plan for his people back then, and he still has a purpose and a plan for us today. As it says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. God is able to do so much more than we can dream or imagine. However, life is sometimes hard and difficult. It was for the Israelites as they wandered for 40 years in the desert. But God was with them there, in a pillar of cloud by day, and a pillar of fire at night. And they were comforted by his presence. God journeyed with his people in the wilderness. And he wants to journey with us today. We too are never alone. He's promised us in Hebrews 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And we have the Holy Spirit dwelling inside us every day of God's reassurance of that promise. And ultimately, we have our own promised land. Just as God led his people in the Old Testament to their promised land of Canaan, God, through Jesus, has created an eternal place for us. As we read in 2 Corinthians 5, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. We know we can trust God, and therefore we can rest in that sure and certain hope. We need to stand on God's promises and keep looking up. 1 John 3 verse 1 says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. God has made space for us in his family. So it all starts with God. He initiates, but we need to respond. So such love demands a response. It says in verse 5 that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, and with all our soul, and with all our strength. Our response needs to be wholehearted, and we're warned to be careful not to forget the Lord, but to obey his commands. But how do we prevent this from being something that we have to do, 
something on our very long to-do list rather than something that we long to do. It can be hard, but I believe if we make time to spend with God, to reflect on all the things that he has done, is doing, and will continue to do in our lives, then wholehearted love becomes easier. The Israelites needed to create and maintain space for God in their lives, and so do we. I don't know about you, but I'm a list person. I have to write things down. If it doesn't get written down, it doesn't happen in my life. <laughs> when I was teaching, I would make a weekly list, and then I'd break that down into the things to do each day. However, if something happened one day which was really important and had to be dealt with at once, then other things had to move down the list. And sometimes they'd even fall off that day's list and had to be added to tomorrow's. There's a danger that we can do this with God. We all lead busy lives and we know that God is always there. So does that mean that sometimes we move spending time with him down our list of priorities? I know I do at times. We love God, but we put him somewhere further down our to-do list. We fill our lives with other things, often good things, but the danger is that these can become our first love. Let's not become complacent. Let's never take God's love for granted. So how can we love the Lord with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our strength? Well, some Jewish people have taken the words of verses 8 and 9 literally, and they will wear, to fill in, small black leather boxes containing verses from the Torah during weekday prayers. And families will have a mezuzah, which they attach to the doorframe of their house. This is a piece of parchment in a decorative case inscribed with verses from Deuteronomy 6 and 11. As they enter the house, they put their finger to their lips and then they will touch the mezuzah, a visual reminder that they need to put God first. We don't tend to use such physical reminders of the commandment, so how can we remember to put God first? Well, I believe we need to set aside time for not just on a Sunday, but every day. We need to make God an integral part of our day-to-day -day life. We need to read his word. We've said recently in our home group that it doesn't matter how many times you've read a particular passage. God will often illuminate things that you've never noticed before. And what's more, the more we read God's word, the more we will remember certain verses. People sometimes say learning verses is old-fashioned, but I find it really helps to be able to recall certain words when things are hard. It's good to be able to recite scripture and stand on God's promises. We need to pray and allow God to speak in that time. Again, we've said recently, sometimes it's good to enter God's presence with our ears open and our mouths and not just come with our shopping list of things that we want God to do. We need to be listening for God's still, small voice and his prompting. We need to be open to God at all times. Many people find that listening to Christian music really helps them to focus on God. The words somehow seem to speak directly to our hearts. Other people like to meditate on God's creation when they're out walking and find that that's a way that they draw close. 
close to God. I go to a, a women's Bible study group, and each time we meet, we start by sharing what we call examples of God incidences. Things that have happened to us that can only be explained through knowing God is at work in our lives. It's a real encouragement to see how God is working in me every day. And when we recognize this, the natural response is to praise and thank God. And finally, I find great blessing and encouragement through the home group I go to. Together, as we look at the Bible, <coughs> we gain a deeper understanding of God and a deepening love for both Him and each other. So many ways in which we can take time to focus on God. We're warned in verse 12, be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. We haven't been brought out of Egypt, but God, through Jesus, has saved us and created a space for us in his family. We need to create space for him in our daily lives. The wonderful thing I found is, as we spend time with God, and we realize how much he loves us, then we want to spend more and more time with him. The more we open our heart to receive his love, the more our love will flame in response. That's what John meant when he said, we love because he first loved us. It doesn't stop there. We read in verses 6 and 7, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. We don't need to wait for a Sunday in church to talk about God. We should do this naturally both at home and outside. We should make God part of our conversation to our children and to other people we meet. Care for the Family recently started a program called the Kitchen Table Project. It's a movement of mums, dads and carers who want to inspire a faith that lasts in their children. They say just 50% of children growing up in Christian homes will keep their faith as adults. The aim of the project is to encourage families to do simple things that will nurture a living faith. Things like play with your children, eat a meal together, Say sorry when you're wrong. Read Bible stories. Pray at bedtime. Point to God in the everyday. Simple things that you can build into your lifestyle. Things that you can do every day, not just on Sunday. Not all of us have children at home, but as Tim said two weeks ago, there are lots of children in our fellowship whom we can engage with. So many hard-working parents who would probably really appreciate a bit of support and encouragement. And there are opportunities to mentor our young people, as James explained a few weeks ago. And it doesn't stop there. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road. I don't believe we're only called to talk to our children about God. We need to show and share God's love with our family, friends, neighbours and community. When I heard that Elise was pregnant, I was so excited. And when she sent me a picture of her first scan, I burst into tears in the staff room. I was so 